You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm once again joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, I'm looking at you, and I can tell you're full of turkey, and you're happy to be back for the final six games of the Kansas City Chiefs regular season. I am. And I am full of turkey. We got the uh, we got the special kind that you pay somebody else to make. So we didn't have really. To yeah. Wow. <laughs> Look at you guys. My goodness. I've always I didn't wanted get any the endorsement t- money, so I'm not going to mention the name of the place we got it from. Though, yeah, so. please don't. Well, they have to pay the big bucks to get a mention on the air at Fred podcast. <laughs> Network. I've always wanted to try what is a smoked turkey. Mm-hmm. I have not been able to do so yet. Have you ever had the smoked turkey? Yeah. What we got was a roasted turkey uh, where it, the white meat doesn't even taste like turkey. I mean, that's the comment everybody makes. It doesn't even taste like turkey. What does it, it taste like? Al- almost like ham. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, juicy like ham. Now, I've also had the um, uh, the the uh, fried turkey before. That's pretty good, too, where they put the whole bird in the big vat. You know, it nearly explodes. I, and I keep saying I want to try that, but my wife is like, no, 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 we're not doing that. <laughs> I have to find a way to have some fried turkey. They have a lot of these fried opportunities at the state fair. Do they do that? Yeah. Do they do the turkey at the state fair? I'm sure they do. Yeah. Everything at the state fair is fried, at yeah. least in Missouri. Even the ice cream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We're, we're way off. I mean, it's not the bye week anymore. <laughs> what are we doing? We have to <laughs> we have to clean it up. It's the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show as part of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. If you leave a review, I have said that we will read it on the podcast. So let's do it. Let's get back to that. First one from November 16th. Two guys that do a great job breaking down Chiefs games and informing you about the team, as well as having great personality. And that was posted on a Tuesday, but I'm going to say it could be any of the two guys that we have on any day of the week, because I feel that about each and every show, probably about us, but I'm going to say it's about everybody, even Steve, who is the third, the only, the only third member of a show on Fridays. And and Steve, I know you're listening to this, so you as well. Uh, From the podium episodes, here's a three-star. What are we doing, first of all, leaving three stars? I told you, it has to be five stars. (laughs) I'm going to read it anyway. (laughs) Are extremely difficult to listen to because we can't hear the questions. I can't believe you play them like that. Okay. Let's talk about this for a second. We don't, we don't control that audio. If you want to hear the questions, I think there's a website you could go to and write to, and it's called chiefs.com because the journalists that are asking the questions don't have a microphone where we do have an opportunity to hear the questions is when we have zoom, which is on. Right. Mondays and Fridays. The reason you can't hear the questions is because there's no mic in person for for the people asking them on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So we did the best we can. Shout out to Steve, our audio producer, who does a good job there. Uh, Well, in fairness, sometimes they do that even during a live press conference. Sometimes they do bring up the audio when the reporters Hmm. are speaking, but it's inconsistent. So it's out of our hands is what I'm telling. Right. right, That's the bottom line. Finally, this one about the Chiefs media responses. I thought it was interesting. We'll read it because there's five stars. Love the show. Have you noticed this year the Chiefs being way more transparent and less cliche when answering questions to the media, mainly Pat and Andy? Maybe I have noticed this a little bit, but I think there's a tendency. This is my theory. I think there's a tendency when you're losing games where you kind of feel like you have to be a little bit more honest than when you're just winning 14 mm-hmm. games going 14 yeah. and one. And you could kind of just say whatever, because all, all things are good. I feel like when the team goes three and four to start the year, 
fans expect some kind of explanation and that requires you to be a little bit more honest than you would. Do you agree, John? I think that's a, I think that's a fair theory. Yeah. I think that, that, that makes some sense. Um, I mean, I, I didn't really notice that up to now. Now I'll have to think about this a little bit and see if this fellow's onto something, but, um, you got it. You're just too used to having to have marinated takeaways on this show. You need a few days to <laughs> think about it. That's what it is. That's right. Go back and do some research, you know, listen to all the press conferences and make notes. We got through the reviews and that still stands. If you leave, a, leave us a written review, preferably five stars. I read the three, three star one. That's going to be the first and only time that I do that five star review. I will read it on the Arrowhead Pride <laughs> Editor show. Please rate and review us on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network on Apple iTunes. I don't think there's a, re- a way to review on Spotify yet, but once they make that review on Spotify as well. All right, let's get into the Kansas City Chiefs news out of the bye week. First thing, there was some transactions that came through on Monday. Marcus Kemp off the COVID-19 list. There is a roster exemption. We're still trying to figure that out, if that has anything to do with potentially Kyle Long coming off of what would be the PUP list. Still here in week 12 or week 13 now on the PUP list at this time. Tight end Nakia Griffin-Stewart, he's back on the practice squad, spent some time with the Chiefs earlier this season, so they obviously like the upside of this young tight end, potentially as a blocker. Who knows if he can be more in the future? I don't think that's someone we're going to see on the active roster anytime soon. Um, There are injury notes, but that that is to come from the Andy Reid press conference in the next segment. I think the bottom line here, John, is good to have Marcus Kemp. He was coming off quite a... Uh, special teams game has been a good gunner for the Chiefs, and he was the recipient of that Tommy Townsend pass before having to leave the team on the COVID-19 list. Yeah, that was a big play. Uh, that's one that people will be talking about for a long time, I think, when they mention Marcus Kemp. So we need to make a note of that. Whenever you mention Marcus Kemp, mention the fourth down pass. Mark, Marcus Kemp and, and Lockdown Lamons have been yeah. the gunner <laughs> extraordinaire. And... Kudos to Tommy Townsend, who, you know, doesn't get to the podium a lot. He did take the podium after that five punt in the 20 yard line game against the Packers. I believe three landed within the 10 yard line. And he really credited Kemp and Lamons for being able to down these punts because punting does require these guys to get down the field and to down them in a good spot. So Marcus Kemp comes off the COVID-19 list. We'll talk about Kyle Long more in the next segment after we hear from head coach Andy Reid from his Monday afternoon press conference. Not a ton of news coming out of the bye week. We haven't really gotten uh, anything definitive injury-wise, but there is some buzz when it comes to the Denver Broncos. This was, of course, John, and I hate to say this. You know what I'm about to say here. This was a noon game for us, uh, which we love. We love our noon games because it's easy to cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And they pushed it back seven yeah. hours to 720. Well, I, I, I've actually seen, and this has been surprising to me, I checked out the comments on ArrowheadPride.com for the Flex Game article where this has been flexed, and I was pleasantly to, surprised to see a lot of the readers and the Chiefs fans actually agree with us. I, I think a lot of them oh, yeah. would like to see the game at noon <laughs> instead of having to wait all the way till till Sunday night for prime time. Well, the grass is always greener. When the Chiefs didn't have primetime games, <laughs> the fans all wanted primetime games so that the Chiefs would be on national TV and, you know, the, the, their friends in, you know, New Jersey would be able to watch the game or whatever. It was right. it was the thing everybody wanted was primetime games. Now we've got more than we know what to do with. And people are like, why don't they play at noon again? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I mean, I started this thing in, in 14, again, with Chiefs.com, and this was a, a thing where we would have like 12 noon games a year. And mm-hmm. I even I, at the time, would look forward to the primetime games because you're like, right. this is awesome. It was such yeah. a rarity. And, a, and so now the Chiefs get flexed to primetime. And you understand why the entire AFC West, the only division in football, where every team is above 500. The Chiefs are seven and four. All the other teams are six and five. The Broncos did have that stunning upset over the Los Angeles Chargers and have now put themselves in a position where you have a lot of this parity in the AFC West. If the Broncos beat the Chiefs and upset them on Sunday night football now, they will be first place uh, in the AFC West. The Chiefs are the better team. They opened as nine and a half point favorites in this game. That's according to DraftKings Sportsbook. And, and the news... 
about this game is some of the words that are coming out of the Broncos camp. Justin Simmons, player for the Denver Broncos, after the game against the Chargers, said that it's extremely personal. He said, no matter what I say up here, no matter how good it sounds, bad it sounds, we will enjoy this win tonight. Again, talking about the win over the Chargers and really get ready to go up to Arrowhead and find a way to carry this formula over to leave with the win. That's all that matters. Chiefs have won 11 games in a row against Denver Broncos. Bradley Chubb compared the Chiefs to Clemson University. And when he was going to NC State, NC State could never beat Clemson. And they were able to do it this year. And Chubb said he was watching and said it finally happened. This is on the Broncos' mind. And they're being really open about how badly they want this uh, win against Kansas City. You can understand why for first place and to break Mm -hmm. this ridiculous streak. I remember when there was a ridiculous streak that the Chiefs had against the Denver Broncos where they really wanted to win. And you can understand what went into that. But I think what interests me about this and and what matters to me is when you look at what Andy Reid is going to say on Wednesday, because I think Andy Reid will be asked about this once we get back to the Mm -hmm. regular season schedule on Wednesday. And Andy Reid is going to make this game matter as little as possible with his words. Not to say that it won't matter when it comes to the division, and he might highlight that, but the idea that any opponent has any special feeling or they're putting more into a game that matters just like the other regular season game just never happens with Andy Reid. And to me, the Broncos right now are taking the anti-Andy Reid approach. (laughs) And putting a lot into it and I I think you got to be careful with that because of what we've seen for example when it comes to the Buffalo Bills where they really got high and I understand that they said the right things after but they really got high after their big win against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football and now they're in a dogfight with the New England Patriots for the division Mm -hmm. after dropping some games that they shouldn't have lost so out of the blue let's say if the Broncos were able to pull this off won't there be such a grand fall off when you put so much stock into the game? I really appreciate that part of what Andy Reid does because he has these guys focused each and every week and no game matters more than the other. I'll, I'll give you a little tidbit here. I remember back when I was working for chiefs.com, they would want to put a lot of stock into Raider week and how big Raider week was. And I think mm-hmm. that they really wanted Andy Reid from a marketing standpoint. Again, we're talking about right. the business side. Right. to embrace that. And then we get to the podium and Andy would be like, no, you know, this game matters just like the rest of them. Raider week, little... what are you talking about? Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because he doesn't want the, the Chiefs to, let's say, and I'm making a team up here, let's get to Bengals week and be right. like, eh, this game doesn't yeah. matter as much. Yeah. I like that approach much more than the alternative, which is what we are seeing in Denver this week. Yeah, well, this is Andy Reid. This is this is what we've learned from what is it, the ninth season now that Reid has been here. Uh, this has been his approach right from the beginning. It continues to be his approach, and will be his approach until the day he walks and in, walks off into the sunset. Every press conference, it's like we look forward to the challenge of playing. Insert team name here. You know, this is this is what he says every time. And he lives that. It's not just something he says at press conferences. He lives that in every moment with the team. And it's part of the reason the team is successful is that they're able to be consistent week through week because they are led in this way. So I'm with you. I think this is great. It's it's terrible from our perspective in terms of, you know, ramping up the games and stuff. <laughs> and And honestly, this game may be as important a game as the Chiefs are going to play for the rest of the year. Um, it's got a couple of things going with it. Uh, one of them is that the Chiefs have to win their division games in order to have any opportunity to win the the AFC West this year. They gotta they gotta win them all. And the other thing is that if they lose to the Broncos, then they gotta make up that loss to the Broncos in Week 18. Yeah. So by winning this game, they leave the door open for the possibility of resting their starters before the postseason, which now seems pretty likely for the Chiefs. So I, I think right. um, well, it, I think it, there's it, a lot going on here. It gets interesting. And and what I mean by that is if the Chiefs keep winning, they may actually not get a chance to rest their starters in the sense that maybe they're in week 18 playing for a bye week. We know could Andy Reid yep. will play the starters until there is nothing 
left to play for. And so right. now you have this situation where you're right. I think you're correct, where if they are able to lock up the AFC West, what may end up happening by week 18 is they're locked into a position. And actually, if they were to lose one game, they're actually, and not to, a, this is going to sound weird. If they were to lose one game and not to a division opponent, they may have the AFC West wrapped up and be locked into a seed, whether that be two or three or four, mm-hmm. by the time they get to week 18. And they may right. say, all right, Henny's going to play. We got to play wild card weekend. We need this week off for some of our guys like a Tyron Matthew right now who's going through the questionable knee situation, sure. for example. Mm-hmm. If you win all your games, you might end up playing because you might be knocking on the door when you get to week 18. The NFL flexes it. So all these teams vying for what would be a buy are playing at the same time. Maybe by that point, it's the New England Patriots. Maybe it's the Baltimore Ravens. Who knows if the Bills are, are still within it? And you may be playing that game to win anyway. But if you are, it's for a buy as opposed to a division. So right. it's crazy how close everything is right now. Yeah. To be at this point and just you have six games left and the amount of variety where these teams could end up in the AFC is just wild to look at when you really look at the playoff standings. Uh, ESPN has that, by the way, if you ever wanted to look at the playoff standings, they, have a really, they do a really good job with that. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch how this plays out. The Chiefs really need to be perfect the rest of the way to even have a shot at the bye. But, uh, you know, depending on what happens with other teams, they may need to have that last game. But I'm as you say, you right now, John, I'm, I'm calling it because I, I think the Chiefs win on Sunday. So you get yeah. the Broncos and then you get the Raiders and the Chargers. By the way, that's three AFC West games in 11 days. So mm-hmm. let's say they're able to win against all those teams. You're probably going to wrap up the AFC West at that point, And then maybe you can look at other things or. You drop one of those games. Who knows what happens with that? But I was going to tell you, if they are able to sweep that, right, you're looking at the Steelers. And with the way the Bengals are playing, we might get us a January 2nd Sunday night football game with the way things are going. They changed the rules so that teams can now have seven primetime games. And this will be their sixth against the Broncos. They have one on Thursday night football coming up against the Chargers. And then we'll see about that game against the Cincinnati Bengals. So some scheduling news. Oh, go ahead. If that happens, of course, on the editor's show before that game, we'll be bitching about it. That yes. it's a nighttime game. You can count wow. on that for sure. That's yeah. our first beep. I I don't know if we've ever had a beep here on the Arrowhead Pride <laughs> Editor's show. Thank you to Steve for taking care of that. All right. When we come back, Chiefs head coach Andy Reid spoke to the media on Monday. We'll wrap that up for you right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Pete Sweeney here with John Dixon. We're out of the bye week. We have had our Thanksgiving break. Chiefs head coach Andy Reid, welcome back the media via Zoom on Monday. And it came with some injury updates. We did hear that Rashad Fenton would have an MRI after last game, but there was no update when it came to Fenton. However, two offensive linemen uh, were asked about with Lucas Niang who had been playing right tackle for the Chiefs. He has missed the last two games with a rib injury. So let's hear what Reed said on Niang. Yeah, well, he's making good progress uh, prior to the bye. I'll get a report today on him. So I, I think he, you know, there's a chance he's ready. I, I can't tell you until I see him. But. So Reed says he's making good progress. That was prior to the bye week. When you're talking about a rib injury this long, I, I tend to think, and this is me speculating here, I tend to think he probably broke a rib or two and that is is the only the only thing that that you can really do in that situation if i'm if i'm not mistaken is just rest and so they've rested him now for a little bit interesting that they didn't put him on ir so that kind of makes me optimistic that maybe you see niang back in the mix i also wonder if they would put him right back in i think more so then in other positions, Andy Reid goes with the flow a little bit more along the offensive line than anywhere else. And the Chiefs have been able to win four games in a row 
with Wiley filling in there. Now, maybe Wiley is a little bit different than Mike Remmers, but I, I just wonder if there's a hot hand type of situation at right tackle. Yeah, there could be. Um, but uh, I also think that Niang gives them more potential upside. It just depends on how serious that injury is. You know, it could be it might be a cracked rib. It might not be a fully right. broken rib. Right. If it was fully broken, I would expect him to go on IR. I would think like Gronk had that earlier in the year, and he I believe right. he missed like four or five games. Yeah. Um. So even you know, the one he, against New England, which you know he wanted to play, like you just can't right. play with cracked or broken ribs. So yeah. So it it just depends on how severe that injury is. I think they're going to want to put him back out there. I mean. Uh, they put him back out there when Remmers was hurt after they put him in when Remmers, when, when Niang had a strained hamstring, but practiced all week, they put Remmers out there. And then two weeks later, Remmers is hurt. Niang comes back and he plays, I think better after that little two game break and realized that he didn't have the starting job completely right. locked down. So I think they'd want to get him back out there. Yeah, what's interesting to me on that is I don't know if Remmers loses the job if he didn't get injured. It it's it's a mm -hmm. the offensive line is just treated a little bit different with Andy Reid. I I don't think yeah. he likes to interrupt it if it's if playing in a, in a certain way. I I think of who's the player at left guard, Stefan Wisniewski. Mm, who, yeah, after that stretch to the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. never really started again in the NFL. He just was rolling and the team was rolling and Andy Reid, I don't think, wanted to interrupt that. So we'll see what happens along the offensive line. We'll keep you updated. Continuing with the offensive line updates, Kyle Long, as we mentioned in the first segment, he has been in, under the PUP. He returned about three weeks ago. The Chiefs have to make a decision today as we're recording. So we're, we're recording around 10 a.m., we expect this to come through. There has been a roster exemption with Marcus Kemp. We've been trying to figure that out with our roster management at Arrowhead Pride. We'll see if, if Kyle Long is activated. I tend to think he will be. We'll, we'll have to just see at arrowheadpride.com. Here was uh, Coach Reed on Kyle Long and his potential activation. Yeah, so listen, he's uh, worked his tail off during his recovery time here. <clears throat> we'll see how all of that goes here, Herbie. Um, we're sorting through all of that uh, today, but I, I've, I appreciate having him here and, and doing what he's been doing too, uh, and how he's handled everything. So uh, we'll make the decision, and I, I leave that up to Brett, and the doctors, and that. But uh, we'll make that decision here today. So, so as is typical, there not really a ton of clarity when it comes to what they want to do with Kyle Long. The, the bottom line is, if they don't activate him on Tuesday, he is done. Uh, for the season, I've seen him at practice. He looks pretty good. I just don't know if there is a open spot for him at this point. Don't forget the Chiefs traded an offensive lineman, and it was for a player in tight end, Dan Brown, who they haven't really used and mm -hmm. even in sent back down to the practice squad. So I don't know what they do here. I bet you they'll talk it through and see if there's even a, a spot that they want to use on Kyle Long. Very interesting situation to me. Well, that's but this is the wild card to the thing we were just talking about, Lucas Niang and Mike Remmers. You know, if they're worried about Niang, they may be thinking, well, maybe we should put Long out there. He's certainly an option at right tackle. Um, now, whether they would do that uh, when he hasn't been on the field with the rest of the line all season, that would be kind of an uncharacteristic move for Reed, but maybe they're really worried about the progress Niang is making. And, um, you know, Remmers is on injured reserve. It's going to be harder to bring him back. So that may be the wild card here is whether or not they intend to bring Long back. And if they do, what they choose to do with him. Um, what's this been this could be Kyle very Long. interesting. Yeah, what's been tough for Kyle Long, and I, and I feel for him in this sense, is he came out of retirement to play for the Chiefs, and mm -hmm. he was basically written in ink as the right guard. And mm -hmm. he has this injury, and then Trey Smith looks like a veteran, and mm -hmm. a good one, and probably a better option than Long. And so you're also, in a sense, if you consider him for right tackle, you're taking him out of position. Now, he did make a Pro Bowl as a right tackle, but this is one year in the course of, I believe it was, you know, a number of years with the Chicago yeah. Bears, and mm -hmm. all at right guard. So... I, I I just wonder which direction they go in in this particular situation. All right, we get on with Reed here, and he was asked about what he maybe took away from digging into the film during the bye week. I know this is a big 
self-scouting week for the coaching staff. Not too forthcoming when it came to what the Chiefs were able to take away. I can't, how am I going to tell you that? I, I can't. If there was anything good, I mean, I tell you, I tell the world, right? So, uh, Sam, doggone it. Um, no, listen, there's always a little something you find out about yourself. I mean, and yeah, because you have extended time, it gives you the opportunity to look even a little deeper. Although we try to do it on a week to week basis. So there weren't any huge surprises, but there's always a little nugget in there somewhere if you look hard enough. Okay. So you could tell uh, he did not want to explain what he might have learned, but it did sound like that there was something there that maybe offensively they could take away and improve upon uh, coming out of the bye into week 13 here. I'm always uh, happy when Reed says doggone it. I love that, <laughs> which he did that's, in this particular that's instance. That's a media favorite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just thought of this, but <clears throat> when I get to the, the stadium tomorrow, I'm going to talk to some of my media, media brethren, and, and I, I think we should have a jar. Where every every press conference we put in a, a dollar in this thing, and whoever gets him to say "Dagon," it just gets to take <laughs> home the Dagon jar. Uh, we used to yeah, do no. that with Dick Vermeil crying at a press conference back in <laughs> back in my day. So bet the yeah. day, bet, bet the day when he's going to cry. That that that's also a good one. We were um, speculating. Oh no, go ahead. I was going to say that I've been thinking about this, and and I wondered if he was being not forthcoming because they spent time looking at the Chargers. When you look at the situation with regard to the playoffs, the main goal for the Chiefs, because it's going to be more difficult for them to get the bye, is going to be to win the AFC West. And when you dig into what the probabilities are and what you need to do in order to do different things in the playoffs, that Chargers game on a short week is the most important game uh, through the rest of the season, simply because the chargers have that victory and therefore the head to head tiebreaker from the week three game that they won in Kansas city. So that game is now huge when it comes to the AFC West race. So I'm guessing that they spent time that they might've spent doing other things, looking at the chargers so that they'll be fully prepared when they have just a few days to prepare against the Chargers for Thursday night football. That's just my guess, and it enters into why he didn't have a lot to say about their prep. We're not playing this sound, but one of the things that I found interesting from this press conference, too, was Andy was asked about the difference on Sunday night football, and essentially what he said is that it takes away a jump on the next week. So typically when they have a noon game, Andy Reid can spend that evening Yep. studying the next team it's amazing that he does that when you really think about it he does not yeah. take a second off when they have a noon game and just jumps right into the film of the next team that is not possible when you're playing on sunday night football so no jump start on the las vegas raiders there's some speculation that perhaps clyde edwards alaire and the passing game is something that might be explored he was here was read on that well i've said that since he's been here i mean that's uh he's he's a valuable tool in the the way that um, if you want to look at it that way, that uh, because he can catch the ball so well. So uh, last game was just a matter of getting him back in and and, and get him back rolling again. So uh, I thought he did a nice job there and had a couple grabs and did good with that too. So, um, but no, he becomes a valuable piece in the in the offense. I'm glad he was pretty honest here in saying they've been saying that since he has been here because this is almost like the never ending story at this point. And mm. you are like, well, when is it going to happen? I, the best, uh, the best passing game that you've had or receiving game, I guess you should say when it comes to running back is Daryl Williams this year. It, Clyde was out for that game. So, you know, at a certain point you got to be like, okay, is this just something that they're going to save forever and it's never really going to happen for Clyde? Or is it something maybe we finally start to see after the bye week here? I wish we would see it. I mean, this was supposed to be the big deal about right. Edward Zolaire was that he could be a threat out of the, the backfield. And frankly, the thing that the Chiefs have really been missing since Kareem Hunt uh, left the team was someone who could be a threat both as a runner and as a pass catcher out of the backfield. And uh, I mean, yeah, you know, other players have been able to do it some, but not to the same extent that Hunt did. And so that's what everybody, I think, wants to see, is to see that dual threat from Edward Zolaire. 
And, and of course, you know, we saw that in a couple of games from Williams, and now people are pushing to get Williams out there as the starter. And that's not going to happen. The Chiefs are going to start Edwards Alaire. So we better see him catch some passes or things are going to get bad. I'm just saying. You know, that's a pet peeve that I have right now when it comes to Williams versus Edwards Alaire, because what what you could see is that the yards per attempt is so much different. I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's just because the team was winning a lot more with Williams on the field while mm-hmm. Edwards Alaire was out. Williams is running, running at three point six yards a tick. Edwards Alaire is at four point eight. That is more than a yard yeah. per attempt. Yeah. It's not an option. Playing yeah. Williams if Clyde Edwards Elaire is healthy is not an option. I don't yeah. know why that's become a thing. Again, my best guess is because the team was winning while Williams was mm-hmm. the primary runner. All right, let's get to the Tyron Matthew update from Andy Reid. Remember, Matthew was suddenly questionable and then a game time decision. He ultimately ended up playing in the last game. Here was Reed on Matthew and the knee swelling. He came out actually okay. Um, he, he was able to push himself through, which was amazing. I mean, he um, he's, he's a tough kid, so tough-minded. Um, that also carries over to the defense. Our, you know, our players knew that he wasn't quite where he wanted to be, and and, uh, and yet he didn't say anything. He just kind of push himself through it you know. so it sounds like he's going to be all right it, it 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 did sound like the day of when they were talking about it after the game that this was kind of a freak thing stemming from one of his knee surgeries in the past don't forget he's had major surgery on both knees we have never established which knee was giving him an issue i couldn't tell from the film because my name is not rick burkholder <laughs> but uh it, it seems like he's going to be okay moving forward one thing to watch will be the first chiefs broncos injury report on wednesday yeah, that's uh, something that we'll be need to watch, needing to watch carefully this week. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting. I, anybody would have bet that they'd have had him on a snap count on that Dallas game after coming in questionable. I was just amazed that he, as always, played every snap in the game. And especially, you know, the, the video of him talking to Burkholder on the field before the game did not look promising at all. No. It it looked like Matthew was going back to the locker room disappointed that he wasn't going to be able to play. So for him to come out there, you know, either they did a great job selling it so that the, the Cowboys were convinced he wasn't going to be out there and they're frantically changing their game plan in the locker room before kickoff. Yeah. Or, you know, we just don't know how to read the expressions of the players and the, the medical the, guys. I'm not going to look up the exact tweet. I don't I don't even know how I'd find it, find it quickly. But he went back in the locker room and then he tweeted essentially. And I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. Maybe this is a new segment. Paraphrases Chiefs tweets. But I think he said he was his own daddy. So take that for what it's worth. There was something to that extent. <laughs> like I'm my own father or daddy or something. Uh, or no one else is going to be my daddy. And I wonder if he told Burkholder he was playing. That's my speculation from the paraphrase of my, my of, of his tweet. I don't know. But well, you got him, more out of it than I did, because when I saw that, I, I thought, what is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's for another day. Maybe that's an off-season conversation that I can have with Tyron Matthew. All right, let's get to the next uh, read quote that I, I thought was interesting. A stat came out last week that Patrick Mahomes had thrown six interceptions on passes that had a 75% chance or better of being completed in 2021. That was according to next gen stats. So Andy Reid was asked about the 11 interceptions that Mahomes had in the 11 games. Yeah. So I always say that interceptions are, can be spread around to different people. It's not always necessarily the quarterback. So, but inevitably he has the ball in his hand last and, um, or he's the one throwing it. So uh, again, Pat's always going to take the responsibility for it, but there's always another, there's always another part of that, you know, whether it's the call, whether it's the protection, whether it's, you know, the receiver tipping it, a D lineman tipping it, you know, whatever it might be. So uh, linebacker tipping it, we saw a couple of those this weekend. So, um, you know, the, the, uh, but it all ends up kind of the same. It's an interception. We all take responsibility for it. We all f- try to work on fixing our problems and you move forward. Uh, that's part of this thing being a true team game. I mean, if you look at the big picture of it, 
um, it, it's you got to get people kind of dancing the, the same dance. And if not, I mean, you can be off just by a tick and something crazy happens. Um, and then there are also times when the quarterback shouldn't have made the throw. I mean, those happen in there too. So I'm, I'm not excluding uh, that position, but uh, there, there are a lot of factors that go into it. Yeah, I, I think this has been an interesting point this year, and it'll get more interesting as we get to the offseason and you're wondering about who's going to win the most valuable player. There does seem, and I don't always buy into this, so I take this for what it, what it's worth. It does seem like there is a national tendency to try to get away from Patrick Mahomes being the best player. I'm surprised that it has happened because... In my mind, this would be more likely to happen with a guy who is unlikable. And I find even from a national perspective that Mahomes is likable. But there has been a tendency, I think, to maybe we're maybe we're noticing it more. I don't know. I think I've seen national analysts pick on Mahomes a little bit. Meanwhile, every quarterback has had games where they have not looked good. But Mahomes is the one where people will say, hey, Mahomes uh, isn't the player we thought he was. Or I know that broken has been thrown out a lot where you just don't see it a lot. Like this morning, I'll give you an example, John. And this is where I, I would agree with fans when, they, when it comes to this. So Russell Wilson had a terrible game last night. Yeah, but he did. what's the storyline this morning? It's not Russell Wilson is a broken quarterback. It's where is Russell Wilson going next year? It's the Seahawks fault. Like why did Mahomes not get the same benefit of the doubt in the sense that he was working with five new offensive linemen, which we know can be a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, I, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't get the difference there. And so to hear Andy Reid kind of say that, like, you know, we have 11 interceptions as a team. I think it's him in a sense, defending his quarterback and also saying to his guys, and we've seen a couple of this this year, like, let's not tip the ball up in the air and allow the, the ball to get picked. And I, I think that's a good point from Andy Reid. Well, I think that's fair. I I, I do, but I I'm going to have to disagree with you about about the 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 rationale for uh, dragging Mahomes down. Look, the entirety of the media world is built upon the idea that the next player is the most amazing guy to come along ever. Everybody gets ink and electrons and all the things that were clicks, all the things we're looking to get uh, from our publications by trumpeting the next big thing. And if Patrick Mahomes is the big thing for 15 years, then the next big thing is not the next big thing. So I think there's a natural tendency to want to drag down the guy who's currently at top of, at the top of the heap. I mean, we saw this all the years that the Chiefs faced the Patriots uh, almost every year. And in a few of those years, the Chiefs beat the Patriots and pretty stunning fashion a couple of times. And what was the narrative? Is Tom Brady done? You know, because they wanted to to tear him down some so they could make some more room for the next big thing. I, I just don't find this all that surprising. It's just part of the 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 media frenzy feeding itself year in and year out. And well I'll tell you I'll say this the Tom Brady done thing stopped after the Chiefs beat him and he won the Super Bowl. So maybe right. if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, that'll never be talked about again. So maybe, <laughs> maybe. that's exact. maybe that yeah. is the solution that when yeah. people say that you're broken and you go and you win the Super Bowl, then they don't get to talk about that anymore. That kind of happened after Tom mm -hmm. Brady. And certainly now I think everyone is afraid to say it when he won the Super Bowl last year at the age of 43. And so that's that's the key. So there you go, Mahomes. If you don't want to be broken anymore ever again, you know what you have to do. You have to go and you got to rip off all these wins and get another Super Bowl title. All right, that's Andy Reid. Yeah, good. Write it down. That's an, that's Andy Reid from Monday. Uh, when we come back, we will get into our bye week awards. There's no marinated takeaways. We have no game to talk about. So we'll get through the bye week awards, tell you about the votes and the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney and John Dixon. John, we are at the bye. We're out of the bye. But I do want to go back and go over some of these bye week awards that we handed out. This was, uh, I thought, a really cool thing that we all did. The 12 of us that wanted to vote at Arrowhead Pride did so. And we handed out some awards, and there were seven of them. So we'll go through them fairly quickly here. We're already at minute, what, 30-something of our, our podcast. But... 
let's start with offensive rookie. And, and I'm glad that I have you on the line because Creed Humphrey <laughs> gets 11 votes. One person went Tra- Trey Smith and uh, his name is John Dixon and no unanimous decision for offensive rookie of the bye week. What led you to take Trey Smith over Creed Humphrey? Uh, I'm more than happy to explain this. It's because I decided I wanted to vote for Creed Humphrey as offensive player of the year. Uh, now, I, some people would argue that that doesn't make any sense. Why would you have a center as the offensive player of the year? But my argument is uh, this is a guy that comes in and is arguably uh, the best player at his position in the league. And as good as Tyreek Hill is, there's a lot of guys who would claim they are better wide receivers than Tyreek Hill. There's a lot of guys that would claim they're better uh, quarterbacks than Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey uh, probably is at the top of that heap as well. Uh, But I I just liked the idea of Creed Humphrey as the offensive player of the year. And I thought if I was going to do that, that I needed to vote for somebody else as the offensive rookie. And behind Humphrey, who else could there be? as the rookie of the year on the offense, but Trey Smith. Yeah. I thought this was tough. Uh, Poor Creed. I'm sure he looked at this and was very upset during the bye week. (laughs) Creed Humphrey has a PFF grade of 91.1, which is the best at at his position of center, period. Not for rookies, period. But I will tell you this, John. In the poll, 92% went Creed Humphrey. You did have 7%. Give the nod to Trey Smith, maybe thinking along those lines. We didn't establish any rules for these, so you can make your right, own rules. Right. And and uh, I guess we did so in, in that regard. And you know what? Maybe it doesn't deserve to be unanimous because there are some plays where Trey Smith gets into place uh, in a space, and especially those counters to the left. Ron Kopp has outlined this in some of his mm-hmm. film reviews, and he just pancakes these athletic defensive players, and I feel bad for them in a sense. Okay, defensive rookie, uh, Nick Bolton. This was unanimous. The The problem I, I found with this one is there was really no other option when it comes to defensive rookie uh, of the year. Who you, else are you going to pick? Josh Kane, though? Are you going to pick <laughs> DiCaprio Boodle? No, there's no one, There's no other choice. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but Bolton deserves it, and if there were other choices, he'd probably get it anyway. So uh, congratulations to Bolton. No, it leads the team in tackles. Uh, I want to throw it back to you for a second, John, here on the snap counts out of the last game. Uh, what's been interesting about Bolton is his snap counts since Hitchens' return have been decreasing uh, a little bit, which uh, uh, has been surprising to me. I, I, I typically would point to an injury that we don't know about or a scheme thing. Uh, an interesting development, I, I think, at, at that position when Bolton just played so well when Hitchens was out of the lineup. Yeah, I agree, but it's it's just about looking at that too closely, really, because you'll notice that both Bolton and Gay's snap counts were down a bit from the week before, Okay, and Ben Neiman's were about the same, um, and Hitchens was also down a little bit, because it, what it came down to is that they were in dime more often, and uh, that meant that Neiman was going to be the other guy on the field. And that means that your frontline linebackers, the guys who are on the field more often on running plays, um, are going to get fewer snaps when you're in dime a lot. And now that's really, you know, it's set the hair on fire of a lot of fans because right. as far as they're concerned, Dan Sorensen and Ben Neiman should never see another snap in a Chiefs uniform. And so they get upset because Neiman is on the field for the same number, you know, for seemingly the same number of snaps. Well, it's a lot fewer than it was before, before Bolton and Gay had really started making an impact. And the same with Sorensen. He's not starting anymore. He's just a situational player. And look what happens when these guys are out there in dime. The Chiefs are killing it. They've right. been fantastic the last few day, the last few weeks while these guys have been out there because they're being used in the way where they can be the best for the team. Now, they're not being used in ways where they're liabilities. So, you know, I, I get why people are paying such close attention to it, but they're really paying too close <laughs> attention to it because you, you need to see you need to be able to see the forest for the trees in this particular situation. Yeah, interesting to see what happens this week because I I think the the Broncos have a formidable rushing attack in Melvin Gordon and the rookie Javante Williams, but they also have some 
pass catchers, uh, Teddy Bridgewater can run as well. So mm-hmm. we'll see how much uh, the Chiefs are in dime, how much they're in nickel, and then uh, how much Bolton does get to to play this week against the Denver Broncos. All right, let's continue with the bye week awards. Uh, special teams player. This was my article to do. We got five votes apiece for Tommy Townsend, got five, and Harrison Butker got five. Byron Pringle got one, and Lockdown Lamons got one for returner. And then Lamons uh, for downing balls. No, no love for Marcus Kemp from anybody. The <laughs> readers, half the readers felt Tommy Townsend deserved uh, the award alone. Harrison Butker got 29%. I, I think this was. Um, I was happy that it was tied. I, I think that both of them deserved this honor. Butker's been way better, especially when it comes to extra points uh, than he was last year. He's been pretty good for for field goals. I think the pooch punt was really cool that that mm-hmm. Butker had this this key punt against the Cowboys that Townsend actually downed, which just goes to show what Townsend is willing to do. That that pass from Townsend to Kemp, I I find to be, um something he can do regularly and then because he don't the chiefs don't punt a lot other than this year uh he really hasn't had the opportunity to do and i expect mm-hmm. to see more trick plays uh from townsend in the future now it just depends on how much the the chiefs end up punting the football but he can do this on a regular basis and i also think that something that we haven't seen from townsend yet is him getting the football and running for mm-hmm. a first down he's pretty athletic which is what you saw in him downing that that pooch punt and so um a, a sign of things to come so that these two split a co bi-week special team player of the year well you know uh, what you're talking about there is the famous Jan Stenerud play uh yeah. the missed field goal in the longest game ever played the, the missed field goal in the fourth quarter that was supposed to be snapped directly to Stenerud so that he could run around left end. And uh, the long snapper didn't get the memo, <laughs> snapped it to Dawson instead. He put it down unexpectedly, and Stenerud had to try and kick it and, of course, missed the kick, therefore, you know, setting up the longest game in NFL history. Um, so, yes, we could see that from Tommy Townsend. He's that kind of an athlete. That uh, that downed punt to me is very interesting because when you look at the the video of that play, there's only two Chiefs running down the field. One of them is Nick Allegretti, and the other one is Tommy Townsend. The rest of them are all up at the line of scrimmage blocking as if it's a field goal attempt. And that's part of the reason that the play worked is that they didn't do anything to tip off the fact that it wasn't going to be a field goal. Uh, and snapping the ball directly to Townsend, you know, I, it was beautifully executed. And th- I like the fact that they've got a punter athletic enough to be trusted to go down and be a gunner on a play like that. It was it was amazing to watch. Quick point on Stanrood, and uh, that's that James Winchester would never. I mean, this guy yeah. oh, is yeah. a, a stud, and that's why he got the contract extension. Yeah. Probably should have put that in our news. I, I missed that as we came out of the bye, but James Winchester ha- got a contract extension for uh, being as good as he is. All right, most improved player. We've had uh, a variety of votes on this one, but it ultimately went to Rashad Fenton with eight. Willie Gay and Charverius Ward also received two apiece. Gay maybe deserved more votes here because he's just been so much better than last year with having a full offseason and getting some of those um, instructions from the the staff and Matt House and Steve Spagnolo. Rashad Fenton, I, I think, got a lot more credit because PFF exists, similar to Creed Humphrey, <laughs> yeah. because mm-hmm. Fenton's PFF grade has just been so high, comparable to that of Jalen Ramsey, which begs the question, why is he not playing more? Which also begs the question back to you, John, is a lot of this success because he's being put in the proper position as this spot reserve guy, you know? Well, what they're using him for, what they have been using him for is as an outside corner. Uh, He's the guy that comes in when Legarius Sneed moves into the slot, which he does on a pretty regular basis. And Fenton then comes in as the other outside corner. I mean, you know, if you'd asked Chiefs fans a year ago, what's his best position, you would have said, well, in the slot, of course, because we've got 
Charverius Ward and Legereus Sneed to hold down the outside. But this year, they've decided to make Sneed the slot cornerback, which puts him in the box more often. Mm -hmm. And we saw the results of that in that Cowboys game where he's right. making these huge stops on running plays and, and nailing people behind the line. And I mean, he was, he was a force to be reckoned with in that game. So I think the chiefs have made a good move here by playing these two guys the way they did to have Snead be the slot cornerback. I mean, he's a slot far more often than he is an outside corner and Fenton is in there the rest of the time. So yeah, the uh, original plan this off season was to try to find someone that I could put Snead more on the outside. Yeah. And they, I would say similar to what they ended up doing with Chris Jones and, and kind of going back on that have gone back at the cornerback position. I, I think partly because of the way uh, Fenton is playing, but also because Snead looks to be, and you know, let's talk about Nick Bolton a little bit here, but Snead looks to be the best tackler on the team by far, which is yeah. wild because if you look at his stature, he's a skinny guy. Yeah. You know, shout out to uh, us small skinny guys out there, right? I mean, we could we could tackle too, apparently. Uh, good, good. So, <laughs> and I'll be honest, after Thanksgiving, Snead is way skinnier than than I am. I, I, I should say that. But <laughs> the, the small guys out there. Anyway, back to Fenton. A great outside cornerback for the Chiefs being used in that fashion. Most improved player goes to him. Um, let's go to defensive player of the year because we're, we're on that track right now. It's a split between Snead and Chris Jones. I think it goes without saying that when Chris Jones is cooking, now that he's come back and is managing to play through these torn wrist ligaments, it is just a completely different defense. And I think if you're pointing to one player uh, who has has their impact in the inside has really changed things for the entire outlook of the D, it's probably Chris Jones. And then Sneed, these guys get the 5-5 five, five split. Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew also received a vote. But Chris Jones and LeJarrius Sneed, your co-bi-week defensive MVPs. I think it just goes back to show that the Chiefs really wanted Melvin Ingram all along. And they just couldn't make a deal that would work for him financially. Yeah. And they were lucky enough to get him back. I think if Melvin Ingram had joined the Chiefs in March... They would have made noise about Chris Jones playing at defensive end, and he probably would have played at tackle most of the time, just as he yep. did last year. We would have seen him at defensive end about one snap and three, just like we did last year. And it just would have been a thing that they had done to throw offense, uh, offenses off and expect him to be places that he wasn't going to be. And at the same time, getting him some work so he could be more effective when he was at the defensive end. But they couldn't make the deal with Ingram. And they were lucky enough that the Steelers, you know, paid him all this money and then decided they weren't going to use him, which prompted him to, you know, ask for a trade. And the Chiefs were able to get him for a song. This really worked out quite well for the Chiefs. Now, obviously, we would have liked it if he'd been here earlier in the year and could have been maybe a help in these games that we lost early in the season. Obviously, that's a problem. But if he's here for the stretch run... That's really all we have to have. So in a lot of ways, the, we, the Chiefs are very lucky with this. Yeah, you don't really know what exactly was was happening. You don't know the amount of money that Ingram wanted at the time. Right. What is tough about this is the Chargers and the Ravens game came down to a play or two. Mm -hmm. And yeah. is Ingram worth a play or two? And probably, yes. And Pro man, you're in, a, you're in a lot different a position if you have two more wins and two less losses all right let's finish up uh, offensive player of the year and the mvp kudos to the offensive players this year because they had an opportunity and i don't know how many opportunities they'll have to be the bi-week offensive mvp and the mvp of the team but tyreek hill not patrick mahomes took both awards you of course voted creed humphrey for offensive player he got two also, Kelsey, Mahomes, and Smith got one for uh, offensive player. Tyreek Hill, when it came to MVP, got nine votes. Mahomes with two and Kelsey with one. Hill has, in a sense, taken the Kelsey primary target role this year mm -hmm. because of the way opposing defenses are playing the Chiefs. Uh, Hill is finding a little bit more success getting away from what will be extra attention 
I think than Kelsey has this year. And, uh, you know, maybe that's an age thing. Maybe that's just Hill continuing to build upon what is trying to, he's trying to become the best wide receiver in the league. But Tyreek Hill, I think, deserves MVP, and he was my vote for MVP and offensive player just because I find that he has been a consistent part of the offense when every other part has really not been consistent Hmm. throughout the offense this year. Right. I think I'm trying to remember now. I'd have to go back and consult the list, but I think I voted for Kelsey. Oh. as the MVP. I don't remember now, but I'm forever the contrarian. Look at it. Look at yeah. You. Well, no, I'm just, you know, had my own way of looking at it, but I believe I voted for Hill for one of them. And I mean, I think I just split it out differently than maybe some other uh, contributors did, but I think you're right. I think, I mean, typically uh, Kelsey has been the guy who leads the, the team in targets and in yards every year. And this year Hill has eclipsed him in both of those. Um, I think this weekend he's going to clear a thousand yards uh, in uh, week 13. That's uh, I don't think he's ever done that before. And uh, he has been a very reliable target despite all the attention that he and Kelsey have been getting. And uh, he's made it pay off. So, you know, he deserves uh, at least one of these awards, if not both of them. Um, I, I like Kelsey as a MVP just because I, I like the attitude that he brings to the team. I think that may have been one finally uh, prompted me to vote for him. If that's the way I actually did it. I know that was John, on my mind. Is I haven't the, told you this and I got to tell you. So uh, apparently Mahomes saw this bi-week MVP thing. And if he scores a <laughs> touchdown on Sunday, is going to use his hands to make a and P we have provided an extra motivation. So good, good for us. All right. Here are the awards one more time. Offensive rookie Creed Humphrey. Defensive rookie Nick Bolton. Special teams Townsend and Butker. Most improved player Rashad Fenton. Offensive player Tyree Kill. Defensive player Chris Jones and Ladarius Sneed. And then the MVP Tyree Kill. Those are the bye week awards, not the season long awards. Still six games will go into who will take home these season long team awards. You think the Mac Lee, Lee Hill goes to Creed Humphrey at this point? Probably, right? I mean, I it's yeah. hard for me to believe it will go to anywhere, anyone else but Creed Humphrey, who's been uh, one of the better centers in the league. All right, Steve, let's get to the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. I know you guys take it one game, one week at a time, but is it difficult to not look at? You guys have an 11-day stretch of the other three teams in the division and where you could possibly be sitting at the end of that stretch if you guys play the football that you're capable of. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we understand it. I mean, division games, that's what we talk about. The first thing we walk in the building is trying to win the AFC West. So we understand how important these games are going to be. Um, but it's like you said, it takes one day at a time. I mean, everyone in our division has a chance at it. So, I mean, everybody's going to give us the best shot. Um, and we got to go in there with, with our best games every single week if we want to try to win uh, each of these games one game at a time. So there wasn't a lot to pick from this week with the Chiefs off. A lot of the mm-hmm. attention around the NFL went to others. Carrington Harrison, 610 Sports Radio on the drive, has Patrick Mahomes every Tuesday afternoon. That came from his interview with Mahomes on 610 Sports Radio. But I think it just goes back to what we led the show off with, John. It is that Andy Reid speak mm-hmm. leading mm-hmm. into Patrick Mahomes. And you could already see that this game this Sunday is going to matter way more to the Broncos than it does the Chiefs. Not that it's not going to matter to the Chiefs, but you can tell already. And I think it's clear from that quote, the Chiefs are looking at this 11 day stretch rather than just one game against the Broncos. I think they're coming in and, and Reid won't say this publicly. I don't think any of the players will say this publicly, but they're got to be looking at this and saying, Shoot, if we can go three and zero, we're gonna win this division. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go and 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 kick some ass these next eleven days. You know, I I wrote after the Cowboys game that shock and awe works, uh, and that the Chiefs had really effectively used that against the Cowboys, and I think this is another team where that tactic would be very effective, because I think you're exactly right. I think the Broncos are coming into this game and they think the whole season is riding on it. It's their Super Bowl. And in a sense, it is because if they're going to do anything in the postseason, they got to get through this game. And I think in a situation like that, what you want to do is you want to shock those guys and uh, just hit them right in the mouth, right from the opening snaps of the game and cause them to make a mistake that puts them behind and then they're ruined for the rest of the day. So 
I'm looking for some shock and awe from the Woo. Chiefs defense this weekend. So that's wow. what I want to see. All right. We we could tell by that that attitude you had today. You dropped a curse word. We can tell you're <laughs> feeling it out of the bye week. It's been a good show. We went through the news. We went through our bye week awards. Please keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com as we get ready for another edition of Sunday Night Football this Sunday from Arrowhead Stadium. We will keep you covered at Arrowhead Pride. If you like the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, if you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, please leave us an Apple iTunes rating and a review. As I've said, if you leave us a rating and a review, we will read it on the show like we did earlier. For Steve Serta, for John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.